Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, this is a chance. Fish lock! It just had to be! It just had to be! The latest landmark from the Lionesses. They've overcome the number one ranked side in the world. The world champions have been beaten in this prestigious friendly. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Wembley is bouncing again. England beat the USA on Friday night on a hugely significant evening for so many reasons. We're going to talk about all of that. Obviously, it's bloody huge. Meanwhile, it's crunch time for Scotland, Wales and Ireland. Wales take on Switzerland and Scotland host Ireland tonight to decide who is going to the World Cup with... Well, a few format caveats. We'll try and explain it all, but it's really difficult. So please stay on board because we've really tried hard to make it as simple as possible for everybody. And finally, after 15 players step back from the Spanish national team, what's gone down since? Well, Jorge Vilda can't hear the booze. The man won't leave. We will discuss that as well. First of all, welcome back, Jesse Parker Humphrey. Back, back in the booth, mate. Oh, God, all right. Snap. Oh, snapsies. Yeah. Cool, all right. We're 
I mean, we're finally on the same page. Yeah, now, it's only taken like... about a year. Yeah, <laughs> welcome, Jesse. Back to you. Woo! Thanks oh, for having me back, guys. Got the call up, mate. I know. It's always a relief, isn't it? You worry if you do something the first time, and you're like, "What if I just never hear for them again?" Yeah. So. <laughs> no, we spoke. We had a talk and a discussion. We did some PowerPoint stuff, and um, no, we were keen to have you back in. Yeah. We just did, we didn't remove you from that. the group chat and then just think, oh, like you know, it's done, it's dusted. That's whatever, always the brutal and, moment um, of these things. Man, then, it's like it's. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, not to brag, but we obviously get to stay in the group chat. But yeah, pe- people get brought in and then people get dropped out. Yeah. But you got back in again. You're the so. first one. You're the first one to make a second appearance. So that's bloody huge. Uh, what have you been up to? Where have you been? I heard there was a big game this weekend that you both went to. Yeah, been at Wembley. Wembley. Oh, God. Man, going back. I mean, I wasn't there and I feel absolutely gutted that I didn't experience another big Wembley moment. A huge crowd. Heard there were some lasers and stuff popping off. It was, um, I yeah, it was pretty lasers. wild. Were there lasers? I heard no, there were lasers. I there Have lasers. I just made that? <clears throat> Someone told me there were lasers. I think people knew you weren't there and just told you random shit. They so. were like, oh yeah, and unicorns walked onto the pitch. And I was that like, oh, definitely what? didn't happen. <laughs> no, that didn't There know. was a great light show, and I love a light show on some pyrotechnics. Yeah, it was almost as good as my favourite one was when uh, the Arnold Clark Cup final. That was my favourite light show I think I've seen in England. But this one was, was also pretty good, yeah. I think they were really trying to big it up because it was the USA and at She Believes they used to have the most ridiculous light shows I remember before the last She Believes Cup in England played the USA and there were four different light shows and it got to the point where the players were on the pitch standing in their positions with their hands and their hips and we were like oh there's another one okay and it was <laughs> Taylor Swift singing like are you ready for it and it was like yes we are quite ready now <laughs> we've been waiting for please 15 minutes please blow the whistle yeah so I think they were really trying to ramp it up at Wembley and I thought it was great what was it like? I mean, the atmosphere was huge. Uh, there were some issues with Wembley Box Park, I've heard. A bit, oh, bit of a grumble about that. Oh, my God. No, we're not... Oh, my God. It yeah? was great until we got to that bit, you know? After England have won, all you want to do is go and have your pints at Wembley box, box, box Park. Wembley. Yeah. No. Nice. Closed. Oh. Left us outside in the cold. They were left outside alone. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. mate. So what did you do? Oh, you don't even want to know. Traipsing around just desperate to find a pint in <laughs> Wembley. Crawling desperately from oh pub God. to pub. Yeah, I didn't know that Wembley existed other than Box Park. So, you know, that was a <laughs> geographical experience for me. We've given them so much hype, Box Park, um, over the Euros because we've all had so much fun there, especially after our, our final Euros episode. And then they went and did that. That's oh. why we've got to call them out. And potentially yep. Sue. I'm looking into that. Well, do let us know. You've got a lawyer here, so oh, post, post-pod, we can chat. <laughs> Not a good lawyer, but a lawyer nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, I could see if there's something made up. Did you fall? Did you have a trip? An accident that wasn't your fault? My heart tripped with sadness. <laughs> yeah, fine, we can run with that. All right. Oh my God. Some uh, traumatic stress there. Um, okay, so we've got to talk about, obviously, a huge win uh, for England over the world champions. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of hype, people thinking... Is this a bit of a um, you know omen for things to come? But what do we think? Do we think this is are we getting are we getting ahead of ourselves basically by thinking this win is something that is is more important than it should be taken as? I mean, I wouldn't put like too much on the result in terms of comparing the two teams. But for me, the biggest the biggest plus I saw from the England team was the mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, they went out there as winners. They don't fear anybody. And I think a lot of people, you understandably fear the US when you play the US. Um, So for me, I was most impressed with that. There wasn't that kind of panicky, you know, in possession panic that we've seen in the past when England play the US. So, yes, I thought, you know, the the football wasn't like, neither of them were at their peak. Um, Both teams missing a few players. But the actual match itself, the intensity um, the speed of, of play, the speed of passes, um, the chances, the tackles, like 
from that perspective, I really enjoyed it. Um, but if I was a US fan, I wouldn't be too worried. I think this is exactly what the US need, kind of, what, nine, ten months out from a, from a World Cup. Mm. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, for England, this will have been a big mental hurdle to, like, know that you could beat the US and see yourself genuinely as equals with them. But at the same time, this was a US team that was missing so many players. And it was also an England team that was missing, yep. you know, Leah Williamson and Alessia Russo. So we were seeing stuff shuffled about. And I think it was cool to see England to adapt to that as well, because obviously when Serena Vigman played the same lineup all the way through the Euros, we were very fortunate that we didn't have to deal with any injuries. But that's not necessarily going to be the case forever. So I think to be able to try something new, go out and beat the world champions at the same time is kind of all you could really ask for from the evening right yeah I mean I've got to regret. I mean the evening even though I wasn't there obviously like looking over the game and sort of like seeing how England set up and the kind of like you said the mentality the confidence was there they looked cool calm collected and I think that was the that was it was beautiful to see that the the kind of confidence they built off the back of the women's Euros had completely filtered through it looked like Wembley was their home it didn't look like they were phased by you know the the big occasion again or you know the, the fact they were playing the, the World Cup champions or these big names coming out it just felt like actually they are at the top of their absolute bloody game um it was two teams i felt like that i know the us have a lot of um younger players coming through but two teams i felt like they knew each other they knew each other's styles of play and you mm-hmm. kind of you could see that with the passes they were making and there was a lot of one touch football it was lovely seeing that from england as well um and i think the decision making because when you're playing that level of football or that kind of footballing intelligence and i think both these teams especially the us have such footballing intelligence. You have to make these decisions really quickly. I think we saw a lot of that on the pitch was having to make these quick decisions. Um, And predominantly overall, I think both teams did pretty well with that. I mean, there was a a lapse in concentration, I think, that led to um, the the US goal. But for me, it was those little things that I think are quite important from these friendlies that you can pick out. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you've got to touch on some of the sort of specific points in that game. I mean, you know, we talk about the first US goal there. Um, You know, I was a little bit disappointed, I think, with uh, some of the playing out from the back. I don't think Millie Bright always looked too confident in that respect. And I think the pass that she played out to Stanway, uh, where she was dispossessed, I think was a bit of an error. There wasn't a lot of pressure coming from the US in some of those uh, early, early sort of presses. And, And I felt that sometimes the decision making wasn't always great at the back and I feel like it could have been a little bit calmer so there's definitely tweaks there that still need to be honed in on yeah but I actually and it sounds weird but I quite like to see them under pressure like that because we need them to experience that and the USA especially in the first half their press was really good they pressed them really high um and you know there are going to be times where there's lapses in concentration mm-hmm. over the 90 minutes but when we talk about playing out from that press that's how England got their first goal yeah they managed to play through the press which was really really impressive um, but then on the flip side, there are moments, and that's the decision maker we're talking about. There are moments where you have to say we need to either go over the press or, or you know, that ball that Millie Bright played out so easily could have gone to Lucy Bronze out in the right. There was less. That's pressure. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, or over the press, and yeah. I think it's just things like that that you need to play teams who do this to you so that you know when to make those correct decisions. So yeah. I'm not, you know, while it's annoying to to have a goal to concede a goal, you actually learn so much from those kind of situations. Yeah, and I think. You know, credit there as well to, uh, it was Smith, wasn't it, who bedded that goal? Because that was, it was pretty much one touch, second touch finish. And it was a cool, calm, collected little uh, beauty of a goal. I mean, Earps had absolutely no chance. But, I mean, she was definitely one of the players that stood out to me as an absolute uh, threat for the US team. I mean, obviously, she's beginning opportunity to come in now. She was The link-up play that she had with Rodman, I thought was absolutely outstanding. I mean, that... 
It's going to be pretty scary next year, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think Smith is a really exciting player. Chelsea obviously played the Portland Thorns in their preseason, and she only played for like 15 minutes, but she totally changed the game when she came on. Um, I thought it was interesting to see Millie Bright. She, I thought Millie Bright dealt with her a lot better than she did when Chelsea played mm. in preseason, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, Trinity Rodman as well. The pace on that girl is ridiculous. The way they, both of them, to be honest, they can just go and go. And yeah, as you say, the. I think the thing that's funny is obviously there is the kind of mix up between Bright and Stanway, but that goal still takes like a lot of quality. There are a Massively. lot of other teams, which I think even if they turn over the ball in that position, don't pull off the finish. But that's, it's kind of like what you're saying, Rachel, like that's why you have to play teams like the US because sure, most of the time, maybe a team, if you turn over the ball there, it's not going to be a bother. But when you're playing at the very highest level, that's when these things really do count. She didn't think, it looked like she didn't think. She knew exactly, as you said, one, two, goal. There was yeah. no kind of, oh my God, I've just found myself in space. What Do I pass to someone? It was just, I know where the goal is. I know that the defender is a good bit behind me because she's just passable. And it's just like she barely even had to think. And that is so, so dangerous. So for a player that's young and just come into the into the squad, that's a scary prospect for teams outside of the US. It was definitely felt like a sixth sense, didn't it? Yeah. She was just like an innate sense of like she must have been born knowing where the goal was. It was just that kind of beautiful... Um, Poised, yes, yeah. yeah. And similarly with that goal that was uh, ruled offside for Trinity Rodman, that link-up play was incredible. And and for Rapino just to do that kind of step over again, I know she's been in the squad for a long time, but these two, you know, to have that link-up play already, and they are kind of in transition, and they haven't played a huge amount of of really competitive games over the last kind of year or so. To have that already is is frightening. Yeah, some of their defending, I think, wasn't on point. Um, they looked a little bit shaky at the back. Obviously, the the goal from um, Hemp coming off the bit of a kind of defensive error, not really. She sort of slid towards the goal, didn't really clear it up properly. Um, you know, and giving Hemp the opportunity there to to bed one for us. So I think you know there was sort of great sort of accuracy and precision at the one end, but I didn't always feel that that was the same at the at the other end of the USA. Um, Lineup. I never want to say I feel sorry for the US, but when you look at the players they've got out all through that squad, there's like quality missing. Like you, you look at in defence, Tiana Davidson, who's mm-hmm. like was one of the most highly rated young defenders in the world, does her ACL. There's no Kat Macari at the moment; she's done her ACL. It's mm-hmm. just like the list goes on and on. Whether you're talking about, you know, even your Tobin Heathson, I, I know Kristen Press had kind of dropped out of that team anyway at this point, but. It is just ridiculous. Julie Ertz is obviously someone who played a really important role and, you know, she's injured. So it's kind of crazy to think what this US, how, I didn't think the US looked great, Mm -hmm. but they clearly looked competent with a lot of talent. And the reality is by the time we get to the World Cup, Sam Mears, I haven't even mentioned Sam Mears. Mm -hmm. The list just goes (laughs) on and on and on in terms of what maybe there is still to come. And I guess the question for Vlatko will be, are those players going to come back in time? Can he integrate them? And like, what can he build while they're not there? And it's important for them to play teams that are going to do that to their defence and put their defence under pressure. Um, I think obviously England, with having the Euros so recently, played more competitive competitive fixtures than maybe the US have. Um, and I think that's probably what Vlatko wanted out of this game was to have this defence under pressure to experience that. Um, but I also then think Lauren Hemp did a really, really good job as a number nine and Chloe Kelly as well. And Beth Mead, that front line, just getting in behind them. I thought, I'm so used to seeing Lauren Hemp on the wing, bombing Mm -hmm. it down the wing. Actually to see her being kind of quite central and going direct rather than out wide was really impressive. And it was a proper number nine kind of poacher's goal as well. So for her, it's great to see that there's some versatility there. And I think 
good for England to see that versatility as well. Massively. I don't mind Lauren Hemp as the nine, but I object to Chloe Kelly on the left wing. I didn't think she had a great game out there. And I don't know whether that's because having Rachel Daly behind her as well. Mm-hmm. I'm The more I watch Rachel Daly at left back, the more I'm like, why? <laughs> um, and I think you could see it in the defence. Like part of when we're talking about playing it from the back, like it was crazy. The amount of passes that went between Greenwood, Bright, Bronze, Walsh, Stanway, and then Rachel, I think all of those players were on like 90 passes and then Rachel Daly's on like 50 to 60 passes mm-hmm. for the game. You're losing like the entire half of your pitch yeah. because for some reason, whether it's just because Alex Green was left footed, so she's not going to naturally turn anyway, or just because they don't necessarily trust Rachel Daly on the ball in that area in the same way. And then equally, Chloe Kelly is someone who you want to get have her on her dominant foot so she's running at players. And if you put her on the left, she's not an inverted winger. She's not really going to cut in. That's just not her game. Mm. And... I understand why, you know, obviously players out, Serena maybe wants to try something new. She'd obviously seen Hemp do this thing at under 20s, right? Was yeah. That, was <laughs> and I think, I think sometimes at Bristol as well. Yeah. Mm. And, and I do think Lauren Hemp was very good doing that, but it's just the cost yeah. to, to, because you lose someone who I think is one of the best left wingers in the world to play her at number nine. Like, could we not have maybe seen Beth Mead do yeah. that role? Or yeah. Rachel yeah. Daly. <laughs> yeah. Or Beth Mead, yeah. Beth Mead central and then Chloe on the right. And then you've got a more natural. But I will also say, I thought it was weird seeing Lauren Hemp in the number nine initially. But then I've just learned to just insert in Serena we trust and Vigman we trust. And it worked. And I think if we kind of lost our left side a little bit against a USA team, I think maybe against teams, and I know they weren't at their best, but maybe against teams that aren't up to that standard, we might see more impact from a Chloe Kelly in that position but I agree we are generally fans of players playing in their <laughs> normal positions <laughs> no but I th- I've got I think the hemp decision was the right one oh well, yeah it worked yeah I thought she was brilliant I thought she was so direct and I think there were points in the game that she was so direct that the the US back line just seemed to drop off and drop off and not really know what to do with themselves and they, it created so much more space um so yeah I, I've got to agree with I think um yeah player there all the time that's mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's it now. Gareth All Taylor to drop time. Bunny Shaw to bring Lauren Hemp in at the nine. One hundred percent. Five buns, <laughs> and now you don't have the outlet that you use all the time. <laughs> I think, um, obviously, talking about some of the, the legends there that have dropped off, obviously, you mentioned there Alex Morgan not being in, uh, Macario, Tobin Heath. Um, and we've got to talk also, I think, just, you know, before the game started. Um, you know, Speaking the, of legends. Speaking of legends, that was the segue. Thanks for, you know, making that less subtle than it needed it to ne- be. I wanted to hammer it. Thank you yeah. for that. Um, Incoming legends. Conversational wizard over there. Um, yeah, the Lionesses. Uh, we had all the Lionesses uh, that had ever played uh, from, is it 1972? Mm. Is that how far back we went? Um, and we had those, you know, walking around the pitch. Uh, obviously, like some of them had uh, some of their original caps. They were Leah Williamson was sort of like giving them all a like, handshake. She she handshake uh, handshook the the first uh, England captain. It was like one of those big, beautiful moments. Uh, Jill Scott coming out and delivering the trophy. Um, I did see on Twitter actually a little bit of a controversial point. Leanne Sanderson, I think she was left out of or wasn't invited to the Lionesses walk around. So there was a couple of players, I think that. Um, they were all invited, but I don't think the invite landed or went to the right Address. email or whatever that <laughs> might have been. Um, so, yeah, I reckon a lapse in FA concentration there to follow up and find out what was going on. Um, so, yeah, I think that was that was a shame, a bit, real shame. Bit of an oversight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A little bit of a shadow on what, what was otherwise a, a really lovely gesture. Um, yeah, and obviously I think, you know, obviously before 
uh, kickoff. Both teams gathered behind the banner. Uh, the red protect the players. Uh, wore the teal armbands in response to uh, Sally Yates's report, which we touched on uh, in the last podcast, uh, just relating to the scale of systemic abuse within the NWSL. Um, and yeah, we discussed this with Claire Rafferty before and about the impact of of that report and and what had been uncovered and. Um, you know, so many players have now come forward and it was so lovely to see so much solidarity between the Lionesses and the US Women's National Team. It wasn't something they were just going to brush under the carpet. And, you know, that's the US National Team's um, issue where we're going to park it. It was something that, you know, the players, the athletes were using their voices, making sure that they wanted to stand uh, with, with the players and, and sort of get their message across. And I think especially in front of an audience like that, what you've got, Loads of young girls, loads of young boys, you know, growing up in the game. How, how was that to kind of see for, from your guys on, on pitch side? I thought it was great. I thought b- before the match, they asked uh, pre-match press conference, they asked Beth Mead um, if they'd been in touch, if they were planning anything. And she said, yes, the team had been in touch with the, the US team and they were planning something. I think it was great for the stage that they had. And obviously the FA had planned all these exciting things with the legends, etc. I think to give them that platform was really, really important. Um, Rapino said pre-match that they were unfortunately used to compartmentalising, which is is so grim to have to do that. But I also think that they absolutely need to be commended for the way that they they handled the situation. The way they spoke um, in the media beforehand and afterwards was very inspirational, very powerful. Um, and they have such strong... They have such strong characters in that group and such an influence as well that goes far beyond, you know, just football on the pitch. Um, and I think the way they handle the situation will hopefully give many who have who have suffered similar to to feel confident to maybe come forward or at least feel supported. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a very poignant moment. Yeah, I was a bit worried, I think, before the game that the, the Yates report was going to really overshadow what should have been a joyous and exciting moment mm-hmm. for both the England and the US team in terms of playing in front of kind of 80,000 people at, at Wembley. But I think, you know, the the decision kind of to stand in, in solidarity and, and stand with that banner was also actually added to the moment in terms of, I think the US national team has such an incredible legacy in terms of its activism in, in the face of inequality, both in, in women's football and more broadly in society. And I think something that's been really pleasing for me to see in recent years is the England team kind of taking on some of that as well, you know, with the Let Girls Play campaign and things like that. And it felt also like um, a really nice moment for those two teams to come together and kind of acknowledge the the force and the power that they have with the increasing presence and, and profile of women's football to make change. And I think that was something that was really important. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, it was lovely to hear from like obviously some of the players, you know, Rapino uh, in particular, I think her quote, kind of best sums up the the general vibe from from what's been coming on in the in the last last week or so and she said um you know without the players you don't have anything you don't have a game you don't have a sport at all and if we're not protected in the right ways then nothing really else matters so for us to come together and take a moment and on a night like this i think is really important and really powerful which is um yeah beautifully said
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's been tough. We've talked about it in the last couple of nights on the group chat. Uh, How do we approach this? How do we deal with the complexities and nuances of the World Cup playoffs? And I've lost sleep over it. I've spoken to Rachel about it. I've spoken to friends and family. Um, (laughs) It's been a big one. Uh, But we've got to touch on the, the home nations plus Ireland, uh, tearing up in the World Cup playoffs. Uh, Scotland face Ireland tonight to decide who will be going to the World Cup next summer in Australia and New Zealand. Wales play Switzerland and Portugal face Iceland after beating Belgium. I mean, record crowd attendances at these games. Really big showings. I think we're looking at 15, 16,000 people um, turning up to these games, which is, you know, huge. But yeah, I think we've got to start with Scotland. Uh, They slugged it out to a 1-0 win in extra time over Austria last Thursday in pretty horrendous conditions. Uh, It was like sleety rain. (laughs) It was... You couldn't really see the ball. It was it was pretty bloody grim. Um, Rach, you were there. No, I wasn't. I thought you were there. No, but I'm going tonight. Gosh, I mean, you avoided an absolute. I know. I saw. I, I looked at the forecast and I was like, you know what? No, I'm joking. I, I, <laughs> I didn't. Um, Sophie was at Wales and I I was sitting at home in a in a lovely um, in a blanket. Were I was going to say a lovely warm house, but I haven't put the heat on. Glass uh, of red wine. <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, actually, How did you it swing right that there. one. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? It's because my mom flew over for the England game first time at Wembley on Friday, and she flew in the night, so I was hardly going to leave her stranded at the airport. That's but nice. um, anyway, that game, yeah, it was raining sideways. It looked absolutely horrendous. And firstly, while they slugged out the win, 
I think still beating Austria is, is pretty great for, mm. for Scotland. Absolutely. Like Austria had a, a solid enough campaign at the Euros um, made it tough for England both times that they've played them in both the Euros and the World Cup qualifiers. Um, so I thought the fact that Scotland beat them, I think, first of all, is, is brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, it looked, uh, I think the conditions kind of summed up how sluggish that game was. It was a tough game. Um, and for Abigail Harrison to, Abby Harrison to get on the score sheet, um, nothing more than she deserves because she's playing so well for Bristol. Um, but for me, I'm looking at that and, and hoping uh, hoping it's good signs for Ireland that maybe they weren't as clinical <laughs> against Austria. I don't know. Maybe no they went to extra time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to be talking about how they can improve in case they listen to this pod. You know, which they probably do right before the most important match. Yeah. I think when they're coming up with the analysis, I think the first thing a lot of clubs are doing now <laughs> yeah. is, is listening to what Which front. is exactly why I'm not giving any hints here. Listen, I know some... Uh, Carla Ward, shout out Carla Ward, how are you? Uh, she does listen to this. So um, yeah, I, I don't want to be giving away anything. All right, fine. Unless it's Ireland, in which case, you know, I'm happy to chat. There's no bias there whatsoever. None. Then. I'm right. very neutral. Not going to give any tactics, strategy, or comment on on that game. Cool. Um, I mean, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was an, an upset as such. They're sort of quite evenly ranked teams. Um, I would say it's an upset. Yeah. Do you reckon yeah. the way Scotland have been playing? I would. Yeah. And Pedro Losa kind of said as well after the game, like how important it was for them to get, kind of get over this mental block that they've seemed to have ever mm-hmm. since they did crash out of the. 2019 World Cup in like quite a heartbreaking way obviously with that Argentina game and I fully expected Austria to walk this I've got to be honest I think Austria struggled they've got so good at playing better teams where they're used to not having the ball and I think they just didn't know what to do with a Scotland team who are like no, we're, we'll sit You back. have the ball, yeah. by all means. <laughs> no, 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 you have the ball. <laughs> they were just passing it back to each other in the centre circle. But I think Austria really struggled with that and, you know, for Scotland to overcome a team who I personally think were kind of one of the revelations of the Euros for me in terms of just performing at a level that was much, much higher than I expected mm-hmm. them to. And I think Austria can, should feel quite disappointed to not be going to, to the World Cup. But I think there was a lot of... Um, I took away a lot of positives in that game. I mean, watching it back over, I thought, I thought that Scotland definitely had the better chances. I mean, there were points in that game where, you know, they were really putting on, uh, putting Austria under a barrage of attacks and it was coming down to sort of emergency defending. So for me, I felt they deserved to win that game, but I didn't feel it was a kind of... I think when I look at how Scotland have played over the last couple of years, it's not... Like when you look at the team and mm-hmm. the players they have, you think they should be beating in Austria, right? You think yeah, they should be going quality, further. they're big quality. But it's when you look at what they've been doing and, and they haven't really been performing to the best that they should be with the mm-hmm. players that they have. Um, and having seen Austria in the Euros, that's why I thought Austria would be... They're very difficult to break down. And as we saw, scoring goals against them is really hard. But then you look at, say, Austria and, you know, they don't score that many goals either. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right, Jesse. That's where it seemed to be the right. We know how to maybe stop them getting goals, but now what? And and it, it, I'm not surprised it went to extra time. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I feel sorry for them going to extra time because doing it in those conditions wasn't great. They're probably like, oh, we need to just get it done in yeah, 89, 90 minutes. But here we are. And, and then Abigail Harrison coming on. Uh, obviously, came on as a sub. Yeah, she's been doing absolute wonders for Bristol City, and I. I don't want to give her too much credit because obviously she scored a couple minor goals I was or something uh, against Palace a couple of weeks. But I, I can't remember, really. I can't Four remember nil. the details. <laughs> so yeah, I think if we could move over now to Wales. Wales win over Bosnia. Bit of a dramatic one. A lot of um, goals not being ruled as goals, which is not helpful. Um, Kaylee Green didn't seem to find where... The flag was there was there was a few calls that I just a felt few. she was you know 
get six a bit, or seven. Get this a bit is one far. of the most frustrating games of football I've watched I didn't in a end long, up, long time. I didn't end up celebrating the actual goal because four times <laughs> I've been like, woo! And then I was like, oh, do you know? Oh, 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 it was oh, Neil no. Morgan's volley. That's when I lost it. I was like, this is the moment. Oh, it's, like, oh, no. it's not. So then by the time they scored, I was like, is it? <laughs> it is oh, it is okay fine I've also got so emotionally invested in Je- Jess Fishlock going to the World Cup emotionally so invested I, I just think she is one of the most talented players in the world you're smart you're beaming from ear to and ear and I adore her and I just really really want her to play at the World Cup it's quite special then that she got that goal and in the fashion as well it was such a good goal fantastic but the, that's the quality that yeah. she brings and I'm still fuming that we didn't take her to the Olympics as part of the team GB squad. Yep. And that's why I just think she really deserves to play on that stage. We need a segment of like players and teams who haven't made major tournaments or haven't gone far in major tournaments or won something with their national team who deserve to have done that. And Jess Fishlock would definitely be in there. She was immense, absolutely yeah. immense during that game. It was um it was a technique of it because I think it so it came in from the right hand side, didn't it? It was like a kind of like free kick. Free kick, delivered in, a bit of a whip on it as well, coming in at quite a bit of pace. And then the the way she angled her body to kind of like shift it from the right-hand side into a top-left lot, I was just like, fuck. For Jesus. listeners' benefit, they won 1-0 in extra time as well. Um, but what was so impressive about that that free was that like everyone seemed to be kind of the, you know, uh, justified to the left of the box <laughs> while they were waiting for this free kick. And then she just broke away and it came it came in the kind of, middle right of the box and, and Fishlock just broke away from that pack and connected with it. It was it was unbelievable. No questions about offside on that one. She was absolutely nailed onside. Um, but yeah, as you said, what, four times they had the ball in the back of the net? All offside. Yeah. I that. think you could just see that they just... And it's mad because this is a Wales team which I think has a lot of quality within it and who definitely... If we're talking about how maybe, you know, Scotland were the underdogs against Austria, Wales were nowhere near absolutely underdogs not. in yeah. this game. They just seem to have no composure at all. And obviously, you know, record crowds getting closer and closer to qualifying for a World Cup. We know as well, I think, how much international tournaments have meant to Welsh football generally Mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. But it just felt like their heads had gone right from the very start. They play with a huge amount of emotion, understandably. But there is a real... uh passion in that squad and that's not to say that there isn't in other squads but there is something about Wales and you, you can see it as soon as the anthem is played that they're all the welling pride. up you know the, yeah there's huge amount of pride and it's just finding that kind of calmness in those situations that's for me the element that's missing at the moment and you know it's understandable they're they're breaking records as they go they're they're moving ever closer to that first major tournament so it's understandable but you know it, it comes with not practice, but it comes with you know experience, and mm-hmm. and this is another th- another moment in their journey where they've experienced a really really tense important match, which will hopefully stand to them in the next round, which is going to be tough. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I think um you know there's something to be said. Obviously, you know when they were speaking to to Fishlock before, um she was saying yeah they're a side that have nothing to lose. There's no pressure on them to win. Um you know big crowd out there. You know and even Ingle saying you know it's hard to believe how far Wales have come in recent campaigns. You think that. They kind of have that underdog mentality in the sense that there isn't this massive expectation that they're going to, you know, they've already achieved so much. It's not an expectation they're going to have to do more on top of what they've already done. I get they've got a lot of pride, but you've got to kind of almost use that to your advantage that you're in control a little bit because you've already you've already done so much. You've already achieved so much. So relax into it. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the occasion. Not to say you shouldn't have ambition. Yeah, but there was expectation on that game. 
Yeah, like on they, that game, 100% for sure. It will be interesting yeah. to see how they look against Switzerland yeah, where yeah. they go back. To, I wonder if that will They play better as the underdog, them. yeah. Yeah, because I do just think no matter what Jess Fishlock might have wanted to suggest before the game, they will have all gone into that knowing that they were expected they should win. to win. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think as well, you've got a number of players in the latter stages of their careers and it just it adds to the, the moment, um, that kind of expectation and desire. So yeah, I think maybe you're right. Maybe the underdog side of things will will help them against Switzerland because that's going to be a very tough match. It is going to be a tough match. I mean, Switzerland ranked 21st, uh, nine places above Wales. Uh, They now need to beat them to either qualify outright for the World Cup or more likely set up a final qualifier in New Zealand in February. So it's not even, um, I mean, this is the complexity of it, isn't it? It's not even like you win that game and you're, you're automatically through. You've still got a couple of hurdles and you're still very much dependent on how other people do. So trying to run through this, should we give it a crack? Yes, because I think it's very difficult for Wales to get one of those automatic spots. Yes. At the moment. At the moment, because they're already in a ranking system, if you like, within playoff two. Um, with Switzerland, Iceland and Republic of Ireland automatically getting into the playoff two, the other teams had to play to get into that, right? So that's how Wales and Scotland have, have gotten into playoff two. Yes. So we've got three matches and two of those winners will go directly into the World Cup will take those two spots so far so good the third one will have to go to an intercontinental playoff with teams from other areas of the world playing in that tournament to then get the, the last couple of places at the World Cup They're, they've gone into playoff two ranked and those rankings have been based on um, their world rankings as well as the results that they got in the qualifiers so from the fifth team like there was some groups that had five teams some groups that had six teams but the results against the teams five and up will give them certain a certain number of points so you know teams who have beaten whoever finished first in the group or maybe finished second in the group will get more points for that win right so it's a convoluted process as to how they get the different points but the way they get them is results from the qualifiers and rankings and based off that Switzerland are at the top of this second group playoff with 19 points Iceland have 18 points and Ireland have 17 points so for Ireland say to go through they have to win and they have to hope that Iceland or Switzerland either don't win or don't win in the the regulation 90 minutes because you get points in this playoff stage for winning you'll get three points for winning outright but if you win an extra time or on penalties you only get one point so it's a convoluted, very, very convoluted process. I would recommend you maybe go and look at, you know, Sophie was trying to talk me through this and I was like, no, I need to see the page and I need to look at it and read it with alongside you so I can fully understand. <laughs> but basically, it's like you've all got a, ta- you've got a table, you've got people on points. It's a bit like a, a league, I suppose. Um, and this is the final game. And it's the, the, the points that you get from that game will determine the top two will go through. The third one will have to go to the Intercontinental Playoff. At this point, just wake me up when they do the group stage draw and I'll yep. know who's in the World Cup then. Love you that. Know? Well, I think we've got some we've got some result or fixtures, haven't we? Being released in the next couple of weeks. Is that right? On the 22nd? 22nd of October. 22nd of October. Bring that on. When's that? Sunday. Saturday. All right, sweet. I'm either. Oh, I'm going out that night. We'll know where celebrate. we'll know where where things teams are. are playing and, and what's mad is as far as I'm aware. Um, I could be wrong, but from what I've looked at, the groups in Australia and New Zealand, you're not in like one area. Your group could be 
playing in Sydney and Brisbane and then back to Melbourne. But you are in one country, country or the other. Which basically. is fine, but Australia is like a friggin' continent. Like it's yeah. massive. So being in one country still isn't all I that think great. being in a New so Zealand group could be an yes, advantage. Yes, absolutely. And but the intercontinental playoff scheduled for February in yes. New Zealand. Yes. That's just going to take place in New Zealand. That's Australia as yeah, well. just New Zealand. Jeez, right, okay. So when oh. we have the Arnold Clark Cup, the Intercontinental Cup will be taking place over there. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, for me, big chance for Ireland to make history and make their first major tournament. So that's what I'm really excited about. I know Wales might make their first major tournament too, um, which would be incredible. Um, but the fact that Ireland didn't have to play a playoff one, I'm hoping stands to them. Um, on the flip side, you could say Scotland are are more warmed up because they've had a, a tough match mm-hmm. to play. So we shall see. It's all to play for tonight. Um, I'm going to the match. If but they get through, talk me through how you're going to celebrate. What's going to pop off here? I lose my fucking mind. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, and the, <laughs> the shit thing is, I just have to go and get on a on a late night train to Edinburgh afterwards. There's no kind of like I'm on my I'm going on my own because Sophie's doing England. So, um, you know, there's I'm slightly concerned that Ireland are missing some some key players. Um, Jess Shu is out. Megan Connolly's out. Leanne Kiernan's out. You know, which is isn't ideal. Um, and they're going to have to limit the likes of you know Cuthbert, Weir, mm. Emsley, Harrison. Like, there's some bloody good players in that squad so um, yeah it's it, if Ireland can play the way they played against Sweden the way they played against Australia the way they played against maybe not against Finland I know they won against Finland but it was not a great game you know they have that doggedness about them um, and I'm just really hoping that comes out they'll need to lean on the likes of Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan Katie and McCabe mm-hmm. banger incoming I can just feel it <laughs> cool in my to bones. hear I just like from the from when they beat Finland that kind of I can still feel it, like that celebration when they scored against Finland. Um, I'm just hoping they take that into into the match. And there's been some brilliant um, marketing done by Sky Ireland, who are, are the sponsor. Um, all the the clubs at home in the in the league have have t- kind of painted out believe on their pitches, which mm-hmm. is the the slogan that they use for the Irish team. And they made this great promo video, and they had like drone footage of all these different clubs with out believe like spelled out on the pitch so it's like spine tingling so um yeah I'm, oh, I'm, you've made me really invested yeah that in was um, good yeah. get on board guys come on yeah <laughs> cool go on island yeah go Just on fish lock an island oh Yay! my god give it a rest <laughs> okay we've got a touch on it uh we touched on it two weeks ago didn't we obviously it's no uh surprise it's not it's not new news with the 15 spanish players choosing to, to call out things that had been happening with the Spanish Federation they weren't happy they were then let go and dropped from the squad Jorge Vilda doubling down on what's been going on instead of um, maybe reflecting seeing what the players have said uh, coming back with maybe an apology might have been first on the uh, first on the old agenda there uh, has instead said that he's well he's left 15 players out of the squad for this month's meetings with Sweden the US accused players of being very poorly advised and refused to offer them a way back uh, and this is less than 10 months before the World Cup so you know there's a lot of damage being done to this squad you know Jorge also you know commenting he's deeply hurt and accused uh, the players of failing to explain why they wanted him out He's then sort of called on footballers to speak out um, if they felt that his behaviour had been inappropriate. Um, they did. <laughs> but that doesn't matter to Jorge. That's a very minor point. Did right? you did you also see the Spanish Federation put out this lovely thing about like bullying, an anti-bullying kind of campaign, oh, which I just crazy. thought was well-timed. Real ironic. Well-timed. I just, it blows my mind a little bit. I think actually his reaction in itself, what's so kind of 
closed off, what they don't even realise is the reaction almost like proves what the players are saying. Absolutely Mm -hmm. this. When I watched his press conference after he announced the squad, the ego that was rolling off the mat, like the unpleasantness you could feel as he, like even just the way he was speaking to journalists who were asking like critical questions, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, if you ever wanted to wonder why players maybe didn't like working with him, all you have to do is watch that press conference right there. And I just think the thing of like, he didn't want to talk about any of them. I'm only going to talk about the players that are called up. Like the absolute lack of interest in any kind of dialogue with the players. If this was any other place of business in in any other, you know, company and you had the core of your staff saying there's a problem here, the way we're being treated, the way that the facilities we have, you know, this is impacting us mentally mm-hmm. and physically. Um, and they had to go to, I don't know, an HR of some sort. And they just turned around and went, oh yeah, sorry about you. Like, we're back in the manager. That just wouldn't happen. Like, that would just not happen. The concept of a majority of your staff or team, if you like, calling issues and just being completely overlooked and backing the manager just kind of blows my mind, really. I, like, I don't even know. There's obviously some sort of cronyism, nepotism sort of situation going on there. But um, the complete lack of interest in any sort of dialogue, I think for me, really actually backs everything the the Spanish players have said. And it's just so upsetting for those players who are one of, you know, the most talented sets of players in the world. I think we know Spain's most talented generation ever who are now faced with this decision whereby either they seem to have to renege on what they said before and who knows even then if they'll get called back up Mm -hmm. because obviously Irena Paredes had led some of the conversations around Vilda prior, didn't sign the letter still wasn't called up to the team. She's the captain. I don't see her coming back. So even if they apologise, they might not get called back. And now they face risking missing a World Cup yeah. as a result. All because the Spanish FA are more interested in protecting a mediocre man than their own footballers. I feel like they an apology wouldn't be enough. They'd want them to be embarrassed on a, on a world stage, I think. And like going back to my analogy of it being another company, if you were in that situation could always go and work for another company that option is there they don't have that option they want to play for their country and mm-hmm. represent the, the passion they have to do that at the best of their ability is the reason that they're saying what they're saying you know it's not because they don't respect the badge or they respect the country or respect playing for their country that's the priority for them and they know how good they could be like some of them saying they'd come back from camp in worse condition than, and, and have to go back to club feeling worse because they weren't properly being you know, treated and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, they're literally calling out for better conditions before what could potentially be one of the best teams in the world. They could be, that is their potential. I think it's that. That's the that's the worst thing about the situation, I think, obviously, with what's happened, but the potential of that squad to be so amazing, to be one of the ones that everyone was really excited to watch next year is like being the big contenders. Um, and, you know, they've obviously just done this draw, the draw with Sweden last week, 1-1, and... Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before. It's probably not helpful to the cause because now it kind of escalates Vilda being like, okay, well, we've dropped 15 players and I'm still, you know, putting in a really good shift against a, an incredible an incredible side. So some of his but, comments after that as well, like, okay, this is bullshit. Well, poorly translated um, because I don't speak Spanish. Um, but basically saying, you know, it was a Spanish team defending a country, players who smile, train 100%, players who are absorbing and want to be a team, a team that gives everything. And you're like, that's such a pointed comment to those players that aren't there. And it's so, so petty. Um, And also, I'm sorry, but, you know, from what I've read 
Sweden play crap and didn't even play their kind of traditional starting 11. So calm down, Jorge. Yeah, I think it says a lot more about Sweden, this result playing against... Uh, I guess it's not. It's unfair maybe to call it a second string Spain side because obviously they do have that big chunk of Real Madrid players because the club have basically advised the Real Madrid players not to get involved in all of this. And you've got that Real Madrid-Barcelona divide, but Real Madrid are a good team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when Jorge Vilda's, you know, being like, look, we've we've drawn with the team who's like third in the world. Well, hello, mate. We absolutely battered them in the semi-final of the Euros. Like they're clearly also a team who who are kind of figuring some stuff out. So yeah. to kind of try and take credit in inverted commas from that as like you know it's, it's the way he turned around and, and said blame their result at the Euros on his players yeah. rather than mm. on his management and what's funny is that like players that have been called up are players that people were like why have they not been called up for the Euros now they get called up play well and he's like see I told you and you're like no you don't get to get, get credit for this as well for God's sake it's just um, it's the ignorance it's the absolute ignorance the ego yeah it's that and it's so defiant um, you know in the post-match he sort of talked about there being a United team uh, there were loads of people whistling booing uh, when he sort of came out um, but again not not really phased by by anyone's opinion is Jorge so he will continue for the indefinite future which makes me just feel a little bit upset about what's going to happen to the other 15 players like where's their recourse where's their sort of have they point got of like appeal? an English um, grandma or like a, a French father that they could tap up and get to see them on the world stage oh where they deserve to be Alexia Patel yeah, is playing for England at the World Cup yeah, like she's, she's got a nan who lives in Bolton like <laughs> yes come on Patel we've already got a talented squad do we need them no but we I'm just saying they all deserve I would take Alexia yeah, they all deserve to be on the world stage so Absolutely. it's such a shame that this has happened to them um, they play the USA tonight as well so interesting, be interesting. and I'm sure if they get any sort of result out of that Jorge will be elevated even more I can't believe the day has come where I'm going to be supporting the USA in a football match. There you are. Well, miracles do happen. Do happen. Um, All right. So I think that's pretty much us covered for, you know, quite an eventful couple of weeks there. Um, I mean, the WSL is back this week. I feel like it's been gone for ages. I've missed you. I've missed you, WSL. (laughs) Uh, Where are you guys off to this weekend? What are you up to? I am doing Spurs Liverpool on Sunday. Oh, that's going to be an absolute. Yeah. I can't call that. No. I have no idea which way that's going to go. No, I really can't. Mm-hmm. Ooh, tasty. Both, both recently battered, right? So Yeah. Wow. All right, well, we'll pick up on that next week and see what happens. You'll have to listen in, obviously. Uh, Jesse, where are you? Uh, I'm off to the sofa, um, but I will be probably predominantly focusing on Everton-Chelsea, which apparently sold out, which is exciting oh, to see. Oh, okay. All right. um, but Manchester City-Leicester City, I think, will be an interesting one to watch as well because Leicester City have looked... Oh. Hard to break down, and Manchester City are obviously still. It'll be a good one for some points to kind of see stuff. where they where they're at. Um, I was quite impressed with how Man City played against Chelsea, so mm. that could be an interesting. Oh my God, there's so many interesting matches. Two games we just cannot call. We just don't know what's going to happen. But find out, find out next week, and we'll tell you. Or you can just look on BBC Sports. No, find out and come follow <laughs> us. Um, where am I going to be? I will be back at home at Bromley. We take on Sunderland back in the Women's Championship, which should be a good game. Uh, yeah, we need to kind of like get back into our winning ways, which would be lovely. Uh, so yeah, if anyone's free, come down to Bromley. It's very uh, it's very easy to get to down there. Um, thanks for listening to Upfront. If you've got any questions for us, hit us up on Twitter. I am at Morgie underscore 89 or at Girls on the Ball for Rach or at Jesse JP Hage. We'll see you next week. Up
Upfront is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 